I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast, episode seven zero. You are listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with Dr. Abby Metcalf. Change your relationship even if your partner won't do a thing. Hey, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I am... In the midst of communication month, that's right. Last week I started it, you know, this is part of my back to basics series. September was all about competition and how it's undermining and getting in the way of your relationship. And October was all about self-awareness and mindfulness. And now November is communication. And uh, everyone who comes to my office, this is what you tell me you want to hear about. But again, you have to have those other building blocks to make the communication effective. So, uh, but last week we focused on your unconscious communication and how that affects you. And today I'm going to talk about two strategies you need to communicate effectively. Um, We're going to just do two strategies today, down and dirty, and it's going to be really good. And if you haven't, I do want to just give a shout out to last week, I did an Align Your Mind Challenge. And if you've been doing it all week and you're listening to this now, congrats to you. Um, And I haven't heard from everybody yet. So I'm hoping people write in and let me know. I have had some people because I had some other people do the challenge the week before because I wanted to make sure, two weeks before, because I wanted to make sure that it was something worth putting out. So I so I uh, called a handful of people and said, hey, will you try this challenge for a week and let me know your thoughts? And I got on the phone with uh, four of you uh, and got some feedback, all of which was really good. So I'm excited about that. So this challenge is free. It's to help you align your conscious and your unconscious thoughts. And uh, I took some notes when I spoke to Jill C, who said that I can um, talk about a little of that. 
And she she said that she, when she first heard, she thought that is not going to do much. Why is she asking me to do this thing? But she said the biggie was that she started to notice what she was thinking, right? So she started to be self-aware and mindful in these moments and notice what she was thinking. And then, but realizing that she was thinking, why am I thinking this? Like, what is the unconscious thought or belief that's driving this conscious thought I'm noticing? And that's really cool. And she says that, uh, like, even the thought of, why is Abby having me do this? This isn't going to work. I don't know why she thinks this is something. And she said, even that thought, she goes, where was that from? Why would I think that? I love your stuff. I I get so much out of what you say, what you say and what happens. And she said, but here, you know, you were sort of calling me out, you know, asking me to do something. And suddenly I got really negative. And she goes, that's an unconscious belief somewhere, right? And, you know, we had this great conversation about it. And I said, exactly. That's exactly what that is. And She's, I talked to her when she was on day four of it. And uh, she said that what she's really been noticing is that, uh, that she's kind of, as she put it, a negative Nancy <laughs> more than she ever realized. And she said, just doing this and uncovering it, she started to feel more positive really right away. And I had a, uh, I didn't get on the phone with her again, but I did, she did shoot me an email and, and let me know on day nine, so like nine days after, you know, after she did the thing for a week and two days after that, she said she was still noticing a lot of positive um, outcomes where she was noticing negative thoughts and challenging them and realizing that was unconscious beliefs and, and turning those around. So anyway, I just have to say that was pretty cool. So thank you, Jill. And thank all of you uh, who are listening and give me feedback and let me know how things are. So that's just great. But I really want to kind of drive home that something simple like the Align Your Mind Challenge can really change your life, can really change your life. And it's free. So I'd like you to uh, go in there and, you know, go back and to the last podcast and I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes of this one of episode 70, abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast. And I really want you to um, check that out. So now that you're going all whoop ass on your unconscious mind, it's time to look at your conscious thinking and do some work to change that, right? So we've, we've, you know, last week we tackled unconscious, now we're going to conscious. And there are two strategies or tools I want to discuss today. And these are simple in concept as most of my things are, but not always easy to stick with. Um, But you know me, I'm going to give you the what and the how, like I'm going to give you both. Um, And so, but, and before we jump in, I do want to ask that if you like the podcast, please leave a review. Yes, you, you, I'm talking to you. Please leave a review. The reviews really help people find me and find out if I'm a good fit. You know, we don't want to waste anybody's time. Um, and so if you can take a minute and hook me up, I'd really appreciate it. I know you listen sometimes and go, yeah, someone else can do that. Or yeah, I'll do it when I get home. But if you can really make that happen and put it on your agenda as a item to really get done, it would mean the world to me. Thank you so much. And I'm really excited that you're listening. So there you go. All right, let's get to it. So strategy number one, and I've talked about this before, but I'm going to put it in a little bit of a different context today. And this is the strategy number one is correct or effective. This is a tool or a strategy that I call correct or effective. And basically the next time you're in a disagreement with your partner, your mom, your boss, your coworker, I mean, anyone really, I want you to ask yourself, do I want to be correct or effective? Now, 
And this used to be the old happier right. You know, I would talk to clients and I would say, well, do you want to be right or happy? And invariably they would say, well, I want to be both. And so, of course, I had a change. And now we say correct or effective, which, which really is more what I mean anyway, what we all mean anyway when we use right, happy or right. Uh, so <clears throat> I want you to be, so I don't want to get in that stalemate of trying to be both, right? You want Do you want to be correct or effective? And I people tend to choose effective. Uh, unless you're so wrapped up in you're just being right, uh, you'll choose effective. And I want to give you a great client example I have, and this is from last year, but um, they're just, it's the perfect example for for this. And basically, uh, we're going to call this couple Ted and Alice. Names have been changed as always to protect the innocent. And so in early January of last year, Ted had set up a meeting with their tax person for early February, right? They were getting in early, going to get the taxes done. Um, and so starting in early January, he asked Alice to pull together her receipts, right? So he'd have them for their appointment and he could, you know, do his work on his end before the appointment. And she was like, yeah, of course, great. I'll get those to you. But she didn't. <laughs> and so he waited like a week or maybe up to 10 days. And then he asked again. And she said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I forgot. I'll get those to you by tomorrow. And tomorrow came with still no receipts. So Ted waited another week, still no luck. And he ended up asking Alice two more times, but never got his hands on those receipts. The appointment was now looming, right? It was gonna, it was coming up that Friday. And at this point, he only had one or two more days to get the receipts from her. And now Ted was angry because he'd initially asked with plenty of notice just so he could avoid this last minute stuff because he hated the last minute stuff so, so much. And he thought, uh, you know, it's not like I'm looking forward to doing the taxes. This is so unfair. Now I have to be the bad guy and get mad, even though I did all the right things. He had quite the head of steam going because after all, he was so in the right, right? I mean, this is, he's right. Oh yeah. This is what I call righteously right. <laughs> now, so he ends up confronting Alice with all his rightness and she blew up right back telling him what a nag he was and that she said she'd get them. And what's the big deal anyway? She could always get them to the tax person after their initial meeting. It basically ended <clears throat> with lots of bad blood on both sides. Because now Alice thinks she's right too. She's thinking, I don't deserve to get spoken to in this way. Who does he think he, he he's yelling at? Like, does he think I'm his child? I'm not his kid. He, he's not one of our kids. He needs to speak right to me. He's way too uptight anyway. The receipts didn't have to be there that minute. You know, maybe, okay, maybe I messed up a bit, but he can't just blow up at me whenever he doesn't like how I act. So now this might sound very, very, very familiar to many, many of you listening right this moment. You're thinking, oh, oh, I've been, I've been Ted or Alice, or I've been both, right? You've been in this situation. And if any of this sounds even remotely familiar to you, so, and even if it doesn't, you have to keep listening. Now, I'm going to say God bless Ted, because although he didn't remember the best thing to do right away, he did realize very quickly that he was in a bad and familiar place with Alice when they were in the middle of a knockdown scream fest. He then remembered this very lesson that he learned from me, I think we had talked about this like two sessions before. I'm trying to think back, but I remember him talking about like, wow, we had just talked about it like two sessions before. 
And so when he when they came back, he he recounted this their initial fight. He told me about how he had mishandled things. And he then realized he'd fallen into an old pattern. He said he had ended the yelling match by going for a walk. Uh, so, you know, they could both cool down and he could try to think, which which was a break in the pattern right there, which is great because usually they would just scream and scream. And on his walk, he said, is when he remembered these new tools. And so he started by asking himself some questions. What is it that I'm trying to get done here? So what is it he's trying to get done? His answer, his own answer was, we'll get the receipts without an argument. He, that's what he really wanted. He, and that's why he had started so early in January, right? He didn't want to be rushed. He wanted to get the receipts early. He didn't want to have an argument. So all that was there. And he said his internal dialogue then went something like this. He, he, he said, well, I wonder why Alice isn't getting me the receipts. It's not like she's not a capable person. So what's the disconnect here? Why is this becoming something difficult? Where'd this come from? He said he really noticed that he was actually feeling calmer as he was asking himself these questions. And he realized that asking her over and over for the receipts had gotten him nowhere. He said, and he said he heard my voice in his head telling him, and this is funny, I have a lot of clients say, I heard your voice in my head, uh, that you know, he heard my voice in his head telling him, if you did this at your job, you did the same thing over and over, but got the same crappy result, you'd get fired, <laughs> which I say a lot. I say stuff like this a lot. So because it's true, right? If you were at your job and you kept asking the same person, you know, from accounting for some report you needed and asking that and nothing was happening, nothing was happening, nothing was happening. What are you doing? What are you doing? At the end of the day, you're supposed to get this whatever in that you need this report from. It's your job to get it and to act, you know, to figure out another way to get the report. If you just keep asking and nothing happens. So what he next asked himself was, what could I do differently? What could I say right now to be effective? What do I need to do so I can you know, achieve this goal of getting the receipts without an argument? And that, that's where he went. And he said, you know, he was noticing that he was feeling more creative, more patient, more compassionate, more open. He said he was still frustrated to a degree, but not so much. Like he really felt like he could do something about it instead of just thinking, well, Alice has, has me by the balls. There's nothing I can do. Oh, well. So, and he, like, again, he said he was kind of shocked that just asking himself the questions and really trying to answer them opened up a whole new line of questions and a whole new line of thoughts for himself. And because he's a star pupil, my Ted, he thought that maybe he should ask Alice some questions. Ha ha, ha ha, and angel got its wings. So his next conversation with Alice when something like, you know, hey, hey, babe, uh, can we speak for, can I speak with you for a minute? And he said something like, so I've been asking for the tax receipts for the last couple of weeks, and I'm realizing that you're a very capable person. So there's got to be a good reason I don't have these receipts. You know, can you tell me what's been going on? I figure there must be something happening I'm not aware of. And notice, you know, he was really empathizing. He even gave her a little affirmation in there. And he was asking a question, which is such big bonus points for him um podcast and or you could read the blog but on this very topic of uh, you know giving the affirmation and also empathizing and that whole thing I, ha I have another podcast just on that and I don't want to do it again here uh, but I'll link to it in the show notes um, so that you can go listen to that one if you haven't yet okay so again bonus points for him because he's empathizing he's asking questions he's he's being kind he's slowing down 
And because what he really wanted to know was what the heck is up with Alice not getting him the receipts and how can he change it, right? And now his tone was more loving and patient and he put himself in a frame of mind where he was less focused on how right he was and more concerned about Alice's well-being. And that's what I want you guys to think about. I mean, really, if someone is like this, is not getting what you need or something is so off, I need you to think about them for a minute, not just you and what you need or want, but what is going on with them? Ask yourself some questions, try to, or ask them, try to figure it out. So they had a very productive conversation after that. Shocking. I know it's not shocking. It turns out, so Alice was totally overwhelmed at work and their son had failed a recent test or something like that. And the son was seeming kind of depressed. So she was worried about him too. So she was feeling like a bad mother and a bad employee. And when the receipts weren't there, she started to feel like a bad wife too. And, you know, she said, and this is all like in the session, they were talking about this really well, but she said initially she just forgot because she was so busy. But when Ted kept reminding her, it started to make her feel like more of a failure. And instead of looking at her true feelings, which she said she wasn't even consciously aware of, remember last week's podcast, for those of you who haven't listened to it yet on consciousness and unconsciousness, our brains. Um, but she says that instead of looking at her true feelings, again, not consciously aware of her true feelings, it was easier to turn all that depression into anger and lash out at Ted. You know, and she said she didn't realize she was doing it. She didn't know that that was a motivation of hers, but that's what happened. And in addition, it started to feel some measure of control again. Like, so that's what she, she's feeling out of control. She's feeling like, I'm a bad mom, I'm a bad employee, I'm a bad wife, I'm bad everything. And so you feel out of control. And so what happens often and what happened to Alice was she became started to become passive aggressive and didn't give him the receipts. It was like a power play, right? Now she's like, I have all the power. And and even though, of course, she's cutting off her nose to spite her face, but you don't real you don't realize that in the moment. That's not what it is. It just feels like any it's kind of like when you, you know, are depressed and you eat a bunch of ice cream. It's not good for you. You you sort of know that somewhere, although you can compartmentalize it. But it in the immediate moment you feel a little bit better. So it seems worth it. And so all this was happening below the surface and really it was taking, it took Ted's, this kind of loving, patient, straightforward approach to get what was really going on instead of just yelling about things. So, and I see this scenario played out over and over and over again with my clients. And I'm, <laughs> I will admit in my own life too, if I'm going to be really honest, but so shifting to this one question, asking if you want to be correct or effective, really, really changes the the very the very nature of the engagement you have with your partner. It puts you on the same team instead of opposing sides of a power struggle. That's what this is. Remember competition, how that's really the cancer eating at your relationship. That's what ends up happening. I want the receipts. You have them, you're not giving to me. We're on opposite teams and we're in this power struggle. And again, you're not going to have great outcomes and you're certainly not going to have awesome communication if you're feeling on opposite, opposite teams, on opposite sides of something, of a tug of war. So the question you want to consistently answer is something I, I mentioned in last week's podcast, which is what's your end game here? What are you trying to get done? What goal? both either emotionally or physically, whatever, what goal you're trying to accomplish. So yes, maybe you're correct 
that your partner left their dirty socks in the middle of the floor again. But do you want to fight? Or would you rather have some rock star sex or binge watch something on Netflix together or whatever, right? Or just have a calm night. Instead of being correct, you could be effective. And, you know, if the socks are on the floor over and over, you can change your stance about it, your tone or the words that you use. Or you could hire a housekeeper or you could stop buying socks and make them wear sandals. I've said that before. Um, (laughs) Because again, when you've been discussing something over and over or you've asked for something over and over, at some point you have to stop asking. It's just crazy. And you have to really stop and notice that you've been asking over and over and not getting a good result. And, you know, I don't want anyone listening to feel like a bitchy nag. And I mean that to men and women. So don't think I'm only talking to women. I don't want any of you to feel that way. It just sucks. There's just nothing good about it. And we end up feeling abandoned by our partners or whoever and rejected and all the feels, all the bad stuff. There's nothing good that comes of this. So it's really important that you figure out. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How to be effective, how to really get what you want done. And it's not always with the person. Sometimes there's other ways. Um, you know, I talked to Ted and I said, well, maybe even in this situation, you could have had your tax person talk to Alice directly instead of you. She probably would have handed them right over to the tax person. Um, (laughs) you know, there's, there's ways to do it that way too, but you know, we get caught up in, well, I'm doing this early so it can be perfect. And I'm, you know, that's where, and he said, wow, I never even thought of that because I want to have everything perfect and ready together to hand to the accountant. Um, number one, because it costs us less that way. And, well, that's what he said. He goes, because it costs us less that way. And I said, is that really the only reason? Is that, re- I mean, really, how long does it take the accountant to go through a few receipts? It's not like Alice had, you know, 50 hours of receipts. And he, and he realized it was really because he likes to be the good guy. He likes to be, he has kind of a perfectionistic kind of thing. And he wants things to be tidy with a little bow and handed over all the time. It's how he likes to receive things. It's how he likes to give things. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, when we're when it makes us get into a screaming match with our partners because we're trying to be so perfect and together, that's that then then there's something wrong with that. Then there's a problem. And so again, there's other roads to Rome. And how how could you how could you do that? Um, and by the way, even if it was a lot more money to pay the accountant, sometimes I'd say that's fine. Pay and don't argue with your partner because it's also expensive to come see me. <laughs> so you know what I mean. You got you got to pick your battles, people. So. Think about how many times this type of thing happens in your own life. 
you know, you can be correct all day, but is this getting you to your goal of a happy home life and, and being better understood? Is it getting you there? I, I invite you to do this differently and choose to be effective over being correct. And it, it's a great start to all this. So, oh, there you go. So that's correct or effective strategy one. Strategy two is what I call feelings, not facts. And basically, if you're not resolving a disagreement, it's often because you're focusing on facts and ignoring or minimizing feelings. I see this a lot. So I want you to think of the last argument you had. And it uh, it probably went something like this. Basically, you explained your side of things. Your partner said their side of things. And you went back and forth discussing the quote unquote truth. This is what happens a lot. Everyone's sure of their truth. So just kind of like the Ted Nalis thing, right? She felt very right. Her truth was, you're not allowed to talk to me like that. You're not allowed to yell at me like I'm a child. It's not okay just because I didn't do what you wanted. And his truth was, you know, I started asking very nicely weeks and weeks ago and you've been blowing me off and I don't know how else to get your attention, but to his feeling was, but to yell. As we learned, there's plenty of other ways to get attention besides yelling. But I know, I hear you guys, you come in my office and say it, you write to me and say it, you you know, just my friends, everybody, I hear this a lot that, well, I, I raise my voice because it's the only way to finally be heard. It's not the only way to finally be heard. It's a way to be heard, but there are others. And, but I, there's this thing people go into where they're like, well, I said it nicely and he didn't hear me or she didn't hear me. So now I yelled. Isn't that really, that's the only two options in the entire world saying it nicely or screaming. Really? There's about a thousand other options in the middle, but it's interesting, isn't it? How we go, these are those unconscious beliefs, how we go to these uh, polls how we go to this A or Z. Well, there's a whole alphabet in between folks. You know, we got to, we got to, we got to jump in there. So what happens often is that you're trying to convince your partner of something and they're trying to convince you of something. And the problem with focusing on all this truth or the facts is that there are many, like I just said, there's so many sides to something. Uh, it's the old, you know, if five people saw a car wreck from five different vantage points, right? You're going to get five different accounts of who's at fault or how the accident happened, likely. If you don't get five, you'll probably get two or three. Everyone thinks they're right and they have the real facts. And this same dynamic happens in your personal relationships, you know, all the time. It's always going on. And couples or even just, again, individual people come into my office disputing how a conversation happened. I hear that one a lot. You know, one of them will say what was said and the other one will interrupt and be like, well, that's not what really happened. This is what happened. Then they'll go on to recount the true events that took place. And then the first person will jump in and say, no, that that happened, but not that or whatever. And, you know, went this way and blah, blah. Here we go. It goes on and on as they each tell kind of their side of the story to get everything told exactly right, you know, just the facts, ma'am, right? It has to be exactly right. And now you'll remember why, again, I spent a whole month talking about competition, being a cancer in your relationship. Because when you focus on the facts, you end up taking opposite sides. You only choose sides in things like games, you know, court battles and war, you know, (laughs) that's where the sides are. So hopefully your personal disagreements don't fall into any of these categories. So You have to stop focusing on getting your partner to believe or agree with you on your side of things. Instead, I want you to focus on how you're feeling or try to take a guess about what they're feeling 
and this could be dangerous, so it's better to stay in your own feelings first. We don't want to get codependent, but but much like, again, Ted kind of went to, well, my wife's really competent. She's not getting me the receipts. Huh, I wonder what else could be going on. You know, he wasn't necessarily trying to guess what she was feeling. He was just guessing that there was something else going on. So that's a nice thing to do. So, and the wonderful thing uh, that I love about all this is that your feelings can't be wrong. Your feelings can't be wrong. <laughs> what, what a concept. So while, you know, so someone could continue to argue with you about the facts of a situation. They can do that, but they can't tell you that you don't feel a certain way. I mean, they can try. Don't get me wrong. When I was growing up, I remember, you know, you're not hurt. And that doesn't feel that way. Or you're not sad, right? Or <laughs> you're that kind of stuff. But, but you, you know that they're the crazy one when they do that. Of course, you, you feel a certain way. And of course, it's your feelings and you're allowed. It's harder for the other person to tell you you're wrong or debate what you're saying since they're your feelings and you can always come back to your feelings. And I'm going to give you another quick example of a couple I was working with. Um, this is a while ago now, but uh, and we're going to call them Cindy and Brian to, again, change names to protect the innocent. And they had separated for a few months. It, but it recently decided to work on things and have moved back in together. And that's, and I had started to work with them around that and the moving back in and all that. And so right after they moved back in, literally right after two days later, Brian invited his parents to come and stay with them for two weeks. <laughs> Brian's parents lived on, on the East Coast and he was inviting them in. And Cindy told Brian that she was upset that he'd invited them and he was pissed. He was, he was very angry and he said, you know, I never get to see my parents and they've done, they had done a lot for them. They'd paid for um, down payment on their house and they were helping out with childcare and all kinds of other things. And he, he was pissed. And so, you know, they've done so much for us. It's the least we can do. So he was focused on the content of what she was saying and not her feelings and he was going on and on with all the facts, which were all true, by the way. It was true that he didn't get to see them often, that they they did do a lot for them, all true. And Cindy did a great job because she waited until he said his piece. She listened attentively. She was right there. but And then she said, that's all true. I have no argument with that. I'm telling you that I'm upset that you're inviting them to stay with us since we're barely back together. And I'm still feeling you know, shaky and scared and unsure. So empathizing and saying, you know, like really listening and empathizing and kind of the saying yes first, which I've talked about in other podcasts and saying, you know, that's all true. And then staying away from the content, which was the parents coming or not coming or any argument about it, it was brilliant. And she just told him her feelings. She just stayed true to what she was feeling and nothing else. And this doing it this way not only diffused the argument, but Brian made the decision to wait to have his parents visit. So he heard her. He's like, oh, okay, now I get it. It's not about my parents. It's about this other thing. So when you're discussing actual feelings, it accomplishes three amazing and, and well, they're interconnected things, it, it, but it accomplishes these really three great things. First, when you discuss feelings, actual feelings, we, when you do that, you learn more about your partner and more about yourself. You learn about who they are at their core, what's important to them, their fears, their deepest desires. And by doing that, 
It allows you to get closer, number two, allows you to get closer to your partners and create more intimacy, right? You can get closer to your partner. You can, you can really, they're showing you vulnerability. You can really feel more connected to them. When you're sharing at a feeling level, you're more vulnerable. It does not take Brene Brown to just to, to let you know that. You are more vulnerable when you're sharing at a feeling level. You're not vulnerable when you're sharing at a head level, an intellectual level, all the facts. This generally, when we do it, when you do it, it generally encourages your partner to be more open and compassionate. The tone completely changes. I mean, when you see someone crying or open or vulnerable or real, you want to be right there with them. So now your feel, your feelings have changed. You're less hostile. You're more compassionate. Uh, all that starts to take over. And finally, because you're now open to other possibilities, number three, you can find real so different solutions to whatever you're arguing about. The best part is that it becomes this combined or this shared consensus and problem solving as a couple. There's no compromising. There's no negotiations. You just end up problem solving together. And I say a lot that compromise or negotiations really become a problem because in within couples, everybody thinks they've compromised more. That's what happens all the time. Everyone thinks they're giving up more than the other person. So both parties feel like they've lost. And again, we're in the competition. We're in the thing of I did more than you or you did less than me, whatever that is. So just overall, when there's either less content or no content, by content, again, I'm talking about the facts, you know, oh, that thinking in your head. And when there's just the feelings there's not so much someone can argue or debate. So the the fighting, the animosity, it generally alleviates almost immediately, creating right away this feeling of more closeness and connection. And I will say this. So focusing on feelings is simple, but it ain't easy. It's when your partner is talking and giving you content, you know, giving you the facts, talking about what happened, giving you the rundown, giving you the, I say reporting the news. When your partner's doing that, what you want to interrupt it because it's it's not getting you anywhere. And I've talked about this. I've done it in the office before. I've had somebody, um, I can think of a wonderful couple, actually, I've worked with quite a bit, who um, the, the, uh, the husband in the couple is he's he's so bright, he's so smart, and that's how he makes sense of the world. You know, he he thinks things through, he breaks them down. He this is what he does, but he does it in session. And I've said to him before, well, actually, so one time I just looked at her, I go, "Wow, does he do this a lot?" As he was in the middle of some diatribe about I don't even know what with all these facts, I was I was having trouble staying focused, and. She looked at me very shocked and she smiled and she said, oh, you mean that I said, yeah. And he was like, what? And we ended up having a conversation. I said to him, are you watching her when you talk like this? Is she listening? Is she attentive? He goes, well, she's, she's quiet. She's listening. I said, quiet isn't listening. Quiet is checked out. I said, I'm watching her. She's picking the lint off her pants. She's like looking at her nails. She. It's playing with her hair. She's looking out the window. I said, she is not attentive to you. And, you know, she started laughed and we talked. And, you know, I did it very light and easy, but he just was all about facts and, and talking about what happened and the sequence and the this and the that and the when. And it, it, people do not feel connected to any of that. There, there's no connection to the news. There isn't. There's connection to 
the humanity of it to the feelings around it to that kind of thing and actually she felt connected once i started talking about the feelings he's having related to why he reports the news this is how he makes sense of the world this is how he feels safe and secure you know we started talking about that and she's like oh oh you know so it wasn't like he had to get rid of it completely but it i trained her to to start stopping him and asking him how he felt and so, and you might have to do this a few times, depending on how comfortable your partner is with feelings. So depending on how much they like reporting the news and how much they dislike feelings. So, and, I, and I've personally had to repeat this question with certain clients. You know, I'll ask how they feel about something and they'll tell me content, right? They end up coming back with the facts. Uh, so I'll say, well, how do you feel about that? And they'll say, well, it's just that this is important and I want my husband to understand. That's not a feeling. That's not a feeling. <laughs> That's an explanation. That's smoke and mirrors. So, you know, if you got to, if you have to download one of those little sheets with all the faces on it, with all the different, you know, uh, feelings on the faces, <laughs> if you have to, that's fine with me. But do you see where I'm going here? It's, uh, it's very easy to not say a feeling when you ask us someone's feeling. And if you have to, so again, like download one of the sheets or do whatever, but and and have your partner pick one or two. Have them pick or have yourself pick one or two. Feelings are just that, you know, mad, glad, angry, sad, overwhelmed, frustrated, shy, resentful, hurt, abandoned, rejected, passionate, compassionate, kind, lustful, I don't know, whatever you're feeling, right? These are the feelings. There's lots of them, but in the moment, it's hard sometimes and we start to explain, especially as we've been up in our heads. And uh and and a feeling is not fine or good or I don't know, right? You have to have a real feeling. So in the end, <laughs> to be try to be less lawyer and more lover. That's how I want you to think of it. Less lawyer and more lover. You know, content is all the words and facts that make up a situation. Feelings are feelings. So now if you really are a lawyer, I have many of you in my practice, I love you, uh, then keep the proving your point thing for work and not for home. That's all I can say to you. Even if the other person continues to challenge, remember to keep coming back with how you're feeling. And use the strategy consistently and you'll start to see a difference in how you feel after a disagreement. I'm telling you, you will. Instead of that frustration, the hopelessness, the resentment, you'll start to find uh, self-confidence. You'll find sanity. <laughs> you'll find focus. It's so good. Um, and because I love you so, I have a, I have this great exercise. It has stood the test of time. I have offered it at other points. Um, I'm going to offer it again today. It's free. You can come to the website, abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast episode 70 and download the I feel formula. There's a way to do this. That's quick, dirty, simple, and easy. And when you stick to it, I feel when you and I need, when you stick to that formula, you will have success. You really will. And by success, I don't mean that the other person will just be like, oh, I get it. Let me do everything you asked. I mean success that you feel in control. You feel clear. You feel more positive emotion instead of negative ones. That's what I'm talking about success. So you can come on over the website, download your free I feel formula and start putting these new practices, these new strategies into your repertoire today, right now. And that is it for today's podcast. Thank you so, so much for sharing time with me. I'm not going to sing because I don't have the voice, but I 
just love, love hanging with you and having this time and, uh, and talking. So as always, if you have any questions you want answered or anything really a burning desire of something, you can email me at abby at abbymedcap.com. I really do read all my emails and I'd be happy to answer questions uh, next time. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.